Welcome to the Backbone Podcast, where we were discussing all things pertaining black motherhood. Real mothers, real conversation, real black. We are your host. Hey, it's your girl, Jerrica. Hey, everybody, it's Kia. Hey, y'all, it's Katrina. Okay, guys, so today we have a very special guest. She is a friend to the podcast. Her name is Danielle, a.k.a. Dr. LPN. And she will be discussing her life journey with her son who has muscular dystrophy. And good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing? Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for joining us. So I want to tell you guys about my journey and how taking care of my son literally made me discover who I am and finding myself. Brian was born perfectly normal, healthy to our standards. We had no idea that he would later be diagnosed with a genetic condition. I had never heard of the genetic condition, didn't know anything about it. I just remember taking care of my baby and knowing that he was not meeting his milestones. He couldn't crawl, walk, do anything at, you know, six months. I would take him back and forth to the doctor. The doctors would say, oh, he's fine, mom. He's a preemie. He's going to catch up. But he never really caught up. I had several family members say to me, you know, something is wrong. And, you know, you get the feeling that something is wrong. But when you go to the doctors and they tell you that nothing is wrong, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm overreacting. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But as a mother, you know, you still have your intuition and it's telling you that maybe something is wrong. I never imagined that it would be SMA because I had never even heard of SMA. So SMA is spinal muscular atrophy. Brian was diagnosed with type one, which is one of the most severest types. But I just had never heard of it. Couldn't imagine, you know, what SMA really was. So at around nine months, Brian was diagnosed with pneumonia and went into the hospital. And one doctor said, mom, he has pneumonia. We're going to put him in the PICU. But I think that something else is wrong. And when she told me that, it made me think like, okay, maybe what I was thinking was right, but what is it? So we get to the PICU. We stay there. They start performing tests on him and nothing was really coming back. We really didn't have an answer. And then they did genetic testing. And when they did the genetic testing, I was in the room. His dad had left to go pick up um, his grandmother. And I was still in the room with him, watching them, watching him, trying to figure out everything that they were doing, what was going on. And this was in 2011. And so I probably had my real first smartphone like a flip phone that I could go to the internet on. And I did. And I heard them say SMA. So I immediately went to Google, typed in SMA, and I'm seeing all these characteristics of SMA, what it does to the body, what this, that is telling me a flippering tongue, frog leg, no walking, no crawling, just everything that would pretty much have my son's face next to it. Like the definition of SMA was my kid. And so the doctors were done and they told me, mom, come over. We have something, some information for you. And so when I got up, I just said, my son has SMA, what type? And the doctors were like, mom, why, why are you here? Like we didn't want, that's why we didn't want you to be in the room and we didn't want you to be here. And I'm like, I know, but he's my kid. So I have to be here. So I just pretty much found out at the same time that the doctors found out. I didn't cry because I I just knew like his characteristics and the traits of SMA. He possessed all of them. And so I just knew that that's what it was. And we didn't even have to wait for the testing to come back. But we did. We still had to wait for the testing to come back. Brian remained in the PICU. I actually spent two months living at Children's Hospital. I had an option for Brian to go to Rankin, Jordan. And I kind of said no. At that time, I felt like Brian was my first kid. So I'm like real 
protective of him. I wanted to just be there and be a mother. And I didn't know like what all the details were because, you know, being a mother, you're a chauffeur, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, the therapist, the preacher, you're everything to your kids. So I didn't know all of the details and what I would have to do exactly. But I just told the doctors, whatever you guys have to do to keep him here with me, that's pretty much what I want. Like, I'm going to take care of him like this is my baby. And so that's pretty much what I did. And once he was diagnosed, I found a diagnosis for him. But I just found myself on a journey of loving me, on figuring out who I am as a mother, as a woman. I just started finding different strengths that I didn't know that I had possessed just three weeks ago before this diagnosis. So it has definitely been a long journey. It's not something that you feel like, oh, I'm going to start on this. I'm going to get everything together. And then next week, everything is going to be great. Like that's definitely not how it is. So SMA, which affects babies, it's a genetic condition. Me and his dad, we both carry the trait for it. And when two people come together and have a baby, it's like a one in four chances that the baby will have will actually be a carrier or the baby will actually have just the trait. So Brian has full blown because me and his dad possess the trait. Brian is, I want to say that he's very adventurous and he's adventurous in his own way. And I have to tell parents and people around that no matter what you think a normal childhood is for your child, whenever they have a diagnosis that is just crazy and they may not do things the way other kids do them, they'll find their own way. He's adventurous in his own little way, the way he talks and the way he picks up on things, the way he tells us what his favorite TV show is. He won't tell me that his favorite TV show is Family Matters. He'll say, did I do that? And I have to say, oh, he wants to watch Family Matters. Let me turn that on. That is like his newest, the newest thing that he loves. And it's just amazing that he's saying those words. His prognosis was two years and Brian is 12 going on 13. So Brian has definitely beat the odds and he he is my miracle. But in becoming his mother, I really figured out who Danielle is and who I want to be and the legacy that I want to leave behind because Brian has turned me into this to BJ Mama. I'm known as BJ Mama. My friends call me Dr. LPN because I became a nurse on my journey into discovering, you know, who I am. I want to help people. I want to help other parents. And so I try to further my education and become this LPN because it was truly where my heart was. So taking care of him, I have discovered just so many things about me. I have been depressed and didn't know that I was depressed at the time. I thought that I was, it was normal. I thought that I was just a mother. I thought that I was just doing what I was supposed to do. And then in talking to people and having a good support system around me, I realized that I was depressed and I don't want other parents to go through that. And so that's pretty much why I share my story. To anyone who will listen, because it is it's a roller coaster and it's not something that you can just get off and on when you want to. Sometimes the roller coaster just keeps on rolling and you have to just bear with it and find your peace in the midst of the storm that you're going through. So I am I'm happy to be able to share that with people and let them know that motherhood is a different type of hood. It is, it will take you down and through there. And sometimes when you have support and even when you don't have support, you feel like I don't have anybody or why me? And I try not to say why me? Because why not me? Like, I feel like I was created. I feel like I was built for this. I felt like this is what my life needed in order for me to become who God truly created me to be. So back to his disease, SMA. A lot of you all may know about the ice bucket challenge. You may know about ALS. ALS is the adult version of um, SMA. 
So an adult who's maybe 50 or 60 years old and they get diagnosed with ALS, the way they end their life, they may have to require ventilation, a G-tube for their primary feeding. That is pretty much how kids start off their life. Um, Children with SMA, they have no muscle strength. They can't breathe on their own, so they require the mechanical ventilation. They require cough assist. My son can't cough, so we have to use this machine in order to give him breaths. And once we give him those breaths, it'll take it back and pull up those secretions. He requires a suction machine because we have to suction him throughout the day. He has learned to try to spit, but of course it's not enough or it's not how we would do it. So we have to suction him. Along with the ventilator, he has the tracheostomy. So that is going to be in his neck. And that's just to have a direct line for uh, his airway, for his breathing. Brian has never experienced crawling, walking. The doctors did say that he he wouldn't talk or eat. But believe me, he loves French fries and pizza and chicken, just like the next kid. It's not his primary source of nutrition because, you know, it's just for pleasure for him. But he still loves it. Brian requires therapy. He requires physical speech, occupational. He gets a teacher that comes to the house to work with him so that he can be better, so that he's not just sitting in a bed. Because if you don't use your muscles, you lose them. And so that's an important part of his day is having a teacher or therapist come into the home and, you know, get things together for him. But Brian is just he's a real soldier. He's a real inspiration because hearing that people say, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine. I don't know. But to be honest with you, it's the only life that Brian knows. He doesn't know any other life. This is what he knows. This is what he's comfortable with. And Brian is happy in his life. He still wakes up with a smile on his face. He knows how to pray. He thanks God. He's just my little kid. Like He's my little superhero, my buddy. He is everything that I could imagine. And he's the only thing that I know. Although other parents may say, well, you know my kid and I do. I know your kid from your standpoint, but I know my kid frontwards and backwards. I can take care of Brian in the dark with my eyes closed. I know him like the back of my hand. And although we don't live the typical normal life, this is our normal. We live it to the best of our ability. We have had to conquer so many different trials and tribulations and be able to tell our stories. So it is the only life that we know. And we are, we're happy with our little life. (laughs) We are blessed to be able to live our life. And we want other people to not be so scared or not be so, what, what would I call it? Just not talk about it. Because I feel like a lot of times when we go to the doctor's office, A lot of children don't see other children who look like Brian. And so when we don't talk about it or we try to cover other kids' eyes so that they're not looking at Brian, it hurts me because I feel like it's an opportunity to teach someone something. And I never want to miss that opportunity to teach someone about BJ. So it hurts me that parents won't say, well, he's special needs or because kids can see Kids are real life truth tellers. Even when we don't want to hear it, children can see and they know when we are lying to them because they see this boy that's just as big as them and he's not walking. Somebody is pushing him around. He has all these cords coming from every which way. They know that it's, that's not normal. They know that that's That's not what they see on a day-to-day basis at school, daycare, or around their family unless they have a special needs person in their family. And a lot of kids will just stare. And it's because obviously they understand that something is wrong. It's not them being rude. And I understand that. I have had children at the zoo look at my son because they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then I'll have another kid walk up to him and say, 
excuse me, what's wrong with him? And I just basically tell them to take a deep breath. And they take a deep breath for me. And I let them know that Brian cannot do that. So that is why he required this machine. Or, you know, that's why he has this. And they simply say, oh, okay. And go on about their day. Like nothing ever happened. But children require an explanation because when it's not their normal, it's not that they're questioning you. It's just that children have a million and one questions throughout the day. And so I feel like we need to tell our children about other children with special needs so that it's not an awkward situation for them. But just letting them know how Brian is and letting them know that he's no different than you. He loves french fries. He loves coming to the zoo. I think that that helps them out tremendously. But it is something that you have to get used to. The stairs, the snickering is something that you definitely have to get used to. And you have to build up a thick skin because everybody don't know the situation. As adults, we may know all this kid is special needs, but that's about we won't know anything else but to explain it to the children so that they know so that they can enjoy him because Brian definitely enjoys other kids. He loves being out. He loves going to the zoo. When we go to the doctor's office, he is saying, hi, 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 hi. Hello, hello, hello. He is saying that all day until we make it up to the doctor's office back down across the bridge into the car. He's saying it all day that we're out because he doesn't have any other siblings. He has a ton of cousins, but he doesn't have any other siblings that live in the house that can play with him all day. It's usually him and mommy, him and daddy. So he doesn't really see a lot of children at home. But when his cousins come over, he's himself. He has a great time. His cousins accept him and appreciate him. And so I want him to feel that way outside of his home. But I definitely try to make sure that while he's in my care, while he's at home, he's going to be safe. He'll be protected and he can be himself. Like he can let his hair down. He doesn't have to worry about someone staring at him or him telling someone hi and them not saying it back. But he is throughout everything that he's been through, surgeries, traits, the G-tube, no matter what he has been through, Brian continues to keep a smile on his face and just continues to amaze me with the things that he learns each day. When I started my journey with Brian, it was a journey that I didn't know would be like this. I didn't know that the journey would take me to where I am today with Brian. So I didn't know that my journey with Brian would would take me to the places that I am today. I didn't know that it would turn me into a nurse. I was just basically trying to be a mother. I was just trying to take care of my kids. I talked, I touched a little bit on the depression, but I I feel like I really want to go a little bit further into detail about the depression I experienced with the at the beginning of his journey. And so the beginning of his journey was the beginning of my own journey. I had to listen to doctors give me this prognosis of two years that Brian would be here with us. I had to listen to so many IEPs and just listen to the doctors tell me what he can't do, what he's going to need, how he's going to do this. And I feel like when you get this diagnosis that is just out of this world, that you truly have to find a source of strength. My strength definitely came from God. I feel like I could hear God talking to me along the way. I felt like he always protected me. I felt like God was just right there with me. I want to say from the time he went to the hospital, but I feel like God has always been with me. But when my son went into the hospital, I was praying prayers that I didn't know that my mouth could say. I didn't know where the prayers were coming from. I was praying for other parents. I was praying for the doctors, the nurses, the tech, the janitors. Like I was praying for everybody. I did not know like where that strength was really coming from. And so in finding God and asking God to heal my son, asking him to 
protect me and to keep my son, it was terrifying. I would cry at night and then I would get up, go to the Ronald McDonald room, take a shower and cry in the shower. And then I would put a smile on my face because I would have to deal with the doctors. I would have to deal with the nurses. I was dealing with a lot of people. It was a lot coming at you at one time. It wasn't just seeing a regular pediatrician. It was a lot of specialists that Brian had to see. So I just started journaling every day that I was in the hospital. I would write down things. I would write down prayers. I would create a little prayer box out of the little popsicle sticks that you get. They would have different crafts. And so every day we would create something different. We would create my handprint and Brian's handprint. And so doing those activities, it made me feel like I'm just a mother and I'm, I'm doing crafts with my kid. But on the inside, I was stressed, depressed. I was hurting. Brian is my first kid. How could this happen to me? Uh, how could I not know? And I just remember my mom saying to me, Danielle, if God did it for me, he'll do it for you and BJ. Instead of crying, get down on your knees and pray. And to this day, that that shakes me because I have tried to tell other people that you still just don't know what it is until you are actually living it, until you are actually going through it. And so I just, I started praying. I just started praying. And the more I would pray and the more I trusted God, it was like the more God would reveal to me the more things he would tell me to do. He would tell me it, it didn't matter who was going with me. It didn't matter. Just, you go, you do. Me and Brian's father, we ended up separating when he was about two. So after the staying in the hospital for two months, Brian was 11 months old. We went home on, on my birthday. And when we went home on my birthday, I always celebrated the 24th of each month. And that's because my birthday was 1024 and Brian's is 1124. So along the journey, you know, you just find strengths. You find things that you enjoy, things that your kid enjoys. And so I really wanted to focus on those because that's where I would pull my strength from. And so making sure that I was there for him in the hospital I never left. I went home and packed the bag and I wore those same pajamas, those same clothes for two months to make sure that I could be there with him. Just to make sure that everything would would be okay with him. So it is a lot. And it is not to say that you can't accomplish it, but it is it's tough. And you have got to truly find your village who loves you and your kid. And and stay there. You have to make sure that you're going to have to find people who support you. So making sure that depression doesn't seep in on you is the biggest thing. You're going to find people who tell you what your kid can't do, what they shouldn't do, they won't do. And you're going to have to smile in their face and say, OK, thank you. And then go home and prove them wrong. Go home and work with your kid. Because although you are not a teacher, you're going to become a teacher. Although you you don't do, you're not a teacher of geography, or you're going to turn into one. You're going to turn into the therapist. You're going to turn into every teacher and every therapist that your kid requires. You're going to now be that teacher or that therapist to make sure that your kid can do those things, not just to prove them wrong, but pretty much to let them know that I have to try this for my kid. Like I have to do this for my kid in order for my kid to be successful, because that's what we want at the end of the day. We want our kids to be successful. We want our kids to be independent. And this is what it's going to take. So getting out of depression was it was hard because I had been staying in the house for so long with Brian. I had been there for years and because I was scared to leave him. And along the way of my journey, I just remember hearing one of my cousins say, oh, I'm going to nursing school. I'm going to get this together, cousin. And 
I remember saying, I am so proud of you. I wish I could do that. And again, I had to rely on God. I had to step out on faith. I had to just say, Danielle, you can do it. You taking care of Brian, and now it's time for you to do something for yourself. And I will honestly tell you that going through nursing school with all the blood, sweat, and tears that came along with it, it was probably one of the happiest times of my life. I made some amazing friends. I taught them about BJ. All of my projects would be geared towards BJ. And so it was an amazing time for me. And that helped me to go back to loving myself and You get so used to doing things for your kids that you don't think about yourself all the time. But that was something that I did for myself. And I can say that it truly helped me. It it started the gears to turn in my head. I was using my brain. I was getting out. I was socializing with my classmates. I was talking to people. I was taking care of myself how I should. And that was an amazing time for me. So making sure that you find time for yourself as a mother is definitely important. But getting things together, having that strength, that source of strength is important. And then just having that village. So once I finished nursing school, I want to say that getting Brian's surgery that I knew that he required, it was like spinal fusion surgery. And it was a surgery that they told me would last 12 hours, but instead they had my baby there for 14, 15 hours. It was a scary time because you don't know how he's going to do. You can't be there. And so it, it, and then it was also during right before COVID hit. So it was just so much going on, but to be able to, articulate and find the words to tell the doctors on things that I expected or just to be able to understand their lingo. It helped me tremendously to to be a nurse. It it truly helped me. But it also just it was still scary because you know you go in and you tell your patients everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna fix this. We're gonna do this and this is what you can expect. When someone has to do the same for you, you're like OMG, I have to sit here for 12 hours and not know what's going on. And, you know, technology has changed a lot. So they have pagers and they have different things to keep you updated. But it's just not the same to be able to physically see your kid in the operating room. But making sure that he had this surgery, Brian had developed scoliosis. He was I used to call him cricket because his body was crooked. He would be leaning over to his side so much. And we knew that he required the surgery, but we also wanted to give him a chance to grow and for him to hit right before puberty. Because once we did the spinal fusion, Brian's torso is not going to grow anymore. Brian's body is two different sizes. His torso is one size and then his legs are another size. It's like his legs and feet, they're growing, but pretty much his torso, it isn't. Brian has now turned into an old man. He can tell you when it's going to rain, just like our grandmamas could. It is, it's a lot to witness that, but he, again, it's his life. It's his normal. It's what he knows. So just being able to find yourself on this journey that you go through, making sure that everything is taken care of is it's not enough hours in a day to get everything together. But just being there for your kid, it opens up so many avenues for you and you find things out about yourself that you didn't know. So I just encourage parents to continue to be in their child's life, no matter if they have a disability or not but to also remain true to them and to find, to figure out who you are and to learn new things about yourself. Because although we're older and we feel like we're, we're going to be teaching our children, sometimes our children teach us. So I just encourage parents to continue to be there, continue to pay attention and listen to our children because the journey that they're on, sometimes it leads to us finding our journey and truly finding out what we were created for. Beautiful, beautiful. I love that. That was 
so beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, girl. I ain't gonna lie. I was over here crying. A few times. Don't start. Don't start. <laughs> 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 so, I definitely want to say thank you for being so open and being able to share with us. And one of the things that stood out to me that you said was like the importance of parents like teaching their children about kids who have special needs. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, my mom would always, whenever we would see a child, maybe like in a wheelchair or mm-hmm. just a child who's differently abled, my mom would always like explain to us because she did not play. You're not about to be pointing, yes. you're not laughing. So yes. I just think it's very important. And I see parents sometimes want to be like, oh, don't look, you know, turn the other way. And it's like, he's a child yeah. too, not a monster or anything yes. crazy. Like right. So the importance of that, because I could just say like, as children, they need to be educated because it's like if our parents don't do it nowadays, schools don't really even teach us that much. You know what I'm saying? So the school's probably not even going to teach them. So it's so important for the parents to you know, teach the children. Yes, because we teach our kids their name, their numbers, ABCs. We have to constantly educate. We are educators as well. Yes, we are our children's first teachers. Like we can't even rely on the school or no institution to do that for us. That is our responsibility. Yes, I completely agree. That's something that like parents do need to teach their children. Like you're going to encounter so many different people in this world in this lifetime and just teach your kids to be open to learning, to be compassionate, to be empathetic. Like these are things that we can all benefit from, whether you are differently able or not. Like, that's something that those are core things that everybody needs. Yeah. And with my my daughter, she has a hand difference. So she was born um, with something called amniotic band syndrome, mm-hmm. which which affected her hands. So she's missing some of her fingers. Some of them are shorter than others. And you, she's only two and a half. Well, she's about to be three. But mm-hmm. um. We go out, we be out. We've had our experiences with kids staring or asking mm-hmm. questions. And it's it's not easy to navigate. I'm still learning. Like you said, learning to have a, a thick skin, to not be mm-hmm. offended, and to use those opportunities as teaching moments. Because yep. if their parents aren't going to teach them, at least you can drop that That's seed. Right. That's so right. I'm so glad that y'all touched on that. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to ask, though, is, I know that you said you kind of went through like depression. You didn't even know that you were depressed. Like at the time you said like God turning to God is what really helped you like kind of get out of that. But other than that, like, what do you think this journey of parenting BJ has like really, really taught you? It has taught me discipline. I being able to save and sometimes wanting to act on my own. Sometimes it's like, let me wait for God. Let me let him tell me what it is. I have turned into an entrepreneur. I have turned and been able to just use my resources. Um, I was a couponer when Brian was first diagnosed. I started doing different crafts. I started making bracelets. So even when I felt like, okay, I don't have a job, God still provided. He made a way for me to continue to take care of my kid. Something that I was used to doing before I couldn't work anymore. And so I have just turned into a mamapreneur because I want to leave a legacy behind that truly helps other parents, but also to help my kid. To be sick in America is expensive. To have any type of diagnosis, you're constantly going to the doctor, you're needing medication. This journey has taught me first how to take care of myself, because if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of BJ. But I have also learned how to use skills and talents that God has truly given me along the way to get through. Even when it's not a season of working every day, I'm still able to find a craft or I'm still able to do something that I won't be rich from it, but I won't be poor either. So I'm still finding new things out about myself and God is still revealing who he wants me to be, but he has given me ideas and my dreams and has told me which way to go. And so that's what I'm working on. So I'm working on my first book about special needs children, 
how to deal with it, different activities to do. So it has been one heck of a journey, but I'm still on it and I'm still learning. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Like (laughs) you don't understand like so much of what you are saying. I feel like I experienced so much of this in these last few years, like, (laughs) and it's, it's so hard. I feel like unless you are in those shoes, it's so hard for people to understand like what it is that a parent goes through. Like when your child has a diagnosis or you see your kid, I'm sorry, y'all in the hospital or anything like what it takes to get through that. And people used to be like, man, you were so strong. I don't know how you did it. I don't think I could have did it. And it's like, <laughs> it's still, it always makes me feel odd because it's like, I just did what I have to do. I didn't feel strong. I'm just doing this. I'm just showing up every day. I'm just it's a like, mama. Exactly. Yes. So it's like, yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. And to hear you say that it just pours more into me and letting me know that I am doing the right thing, like that I am doing what. I know it's right, but it's also what God has told me to do. Man, you are. <laughs> you just don't know. It's like, <laughs> you just don't know. Because we've been, for whatever reason, I've been having trouble sleeping for the last few nights. And I don't know. I've been thinking so much just about my daughter's journey. Yep. Everything that we've been through. Like I had Katrina and Jericho know. Right before we started our podcast, I had started doing therapy. I was in my own depression. Like I had a lot going on. Therapy changed my life completely. But I just find myself thinking back to some of those moments. Like my daughter was in the NICU too. She was there for 65 days and I was there every day. I lived there. And Mm. I had her exactly two weeks before my birthday. So I had my birthday there. Mm -hmm. The nurses... It kept telling me, you need to get out, you need to sleep, go get something to eat. Like, mm-hmm. it was so hard for me to leave. Like, how can I leave? Like, my baby's here. There's nothing baby? to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so, and her dad, things were very rocky at that time. But he was like, you need to get out. Let me take you to get something to eat. I just, I was thinking about this the other night. And we went to go get something to eat. Mm-hmm. Then he wanted to do all this other stuff. And it was just, I had so much anxiety. I just wanted to get back to my baby. And it's just like, I couldn't enjoy it. And when I think back to it, I still, I get mad at him again. Cause I'm like, why the hell would this nigga try to get me out here? Literally. But they, Literally. they like, you need to take care of yourself. But there was no fight for that. The only thing I was focused on Your baby. was my baby. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about being there every day, showering, you cry in the shower, you put on a smile, you got there and do what you got to do. I completely understand. Like when you was talking, it just felt like somebody was speaking, speaking my words. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm going to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you are a mother and knowing what you went through, I don't know your story, but just you telling me what you went through is so many people who can relate. Like I come in contact with so many different parents and I just want the parents to know that it's not your fault. This condition is not your fault that your child has this. And so when you release that and let it go, then you can truly become who you were meant to be. Like, don't get hung up on my baby has a trait, but my baby's still here. So you cannot get caught up on those little things. And you, me telling you, you have to keep going. You have to share your story. You have to remain a teacher. You have to remain a nurse and still be a mom. So you keep going. It's nothing that you can't do. As a mother, it's nothing that we can't do. Nothing. Your story and your journey is very beautiful. And Kia, I am one of those people that be like, you guys are so strong, baby, because I don't know <laughs> if I could have done it. I honestly say that all the time, not no. I would love my kid regardless, but it takes a strong individual to be a caregiver at any point of time. And when your kid has special needs, it's a little bit more than just having a kid that can eventually do for themselves and take mm-hmm. care of them. So it's a constant job. So any caregiver, it's, I take my hat off to you because I know the journey. I know that it's hard. So when people say that, I think that's why they said because they're like, it takes 
a great amount of strength to do it, even though you're a mother and that's your job. Some people don't got it. You know, some people don't even got it to give. Um, right. There's so many people in nursing facilities or like kids yes. or young kids in nursing facilities because their parents just don't know how to or they got multiple kids or they can't navigate everything. Yes. So, yeah. so I can understand it. And I, I really take my head off to both of y'all because y'all do do it on a daily basis and y'all have to deal with different journeys than we have to. We are all mothers, but y'all do have a different story and a different journey than we do. Mm-hmm. I tell Danielle all the time is, honey, Beach ain't ready to live. Brian is ready to live life in Danielle's <laughs> skirt. Yes, Danielle is my sister, and I have watched her journey since Brian has been a baby. And Brian is he ready to live life? Danielle is the same. And I'm trying. I'm trying. I tell her all the time that (laughs) what our kids can do, Brian can do. Because baby, y'all don't know. My other sister say Brian can walk. He can walk. (laughs) He can play with us. (laughs) (laughs) Danielle be getting on his nerves. Yeah, I ask him every day. I asked him, I said, TZ, baby, is your mama getting on your nerves? He said, yeah. <laughs> no, she's getting on his nerves. And he he will live like he has the most beautiful personality that you can ever imagine. He talks. He he loves people. He loves people. He's a ladies' man. He mm-hmm. loves the ladies, honey. I had to tell him last night, you can't have no girlfriend. I'm sorry. But <laughs> he, loves, he just loves people. And I think the as parents, we be more afraid for our kids than our kids be. Kids be. That is the truth, yes. That's like them yes. falling. And we be like, uh-oh, if you don't say uh, nothing, they get up and go on about their day. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. It really is. The doctor said one thing, but God said another thing. God the said another. Said, the doctor says two years, but BJ has made it to 12 years. So you yeah. can't tell me what our God can do. So at the end of the day, a diagnosis is just a diagnosis because what God has done in your life, honey, you can't tell me. I accept your diagnosis, but my child will be all odd. Will mm-hmm. be all odd. So I just want to say I love you. Your story and your journey is amazing. I love where you have came. I love that you have conquered every obstacle that has set in front of you personally for yourself and for uh, Brian. <laughs> I am just, I love the journey that you on. I want you to tell people more about this book you're trying to do. Okay. That you have going on for yourself that you're planning to release for us. And if you don't mind, if I just interject real quick, another thing that I wanted, if you could provide, I don't know, but if you have any support groups that you may have been a part of or that you know for parents of kids with special needs or differently able children, if you could throw those out there that would be helpful as well so back to jerka with her first question of the book the book is actually a journal and it's going to be an interactive journal it's going to be things that you have to complete things that is going to make you think but it's also going to be just a release for you you know talking to other parents is good and it's always the hope like you mentioned the support groups that's always the hope But I remember in the beginning of my journey, it was like I didn't know many people who children had SMA. I didn't know anyone who child looked like mine that had SMA. So that's why I am creating this journal. I hope to have this journal released by the summer. It is it's just something that I wish I had when my son was first diagnosed. It's something that I wish that someone had gave me or just even told me to do just to make life a little bit easier because I had, I've always been a journal type of kid. I remember having like a Dear Diary, the little electronic one. I just remember having a diary, my sister reading it and laughing. So it's something that's near and dear to me, but it's something that I definitely think will benefit the special needs mom when you just get this crazy diagnosis. And so I want, the name of the journal is going to be Blank Mama. So like I said, it's interactive. You will create, it could be your child's nickname. It could be their, the name that you gave them, but it will be Blank Mama. And then it will be 
because that's exactly who you were created to be. So even though it's one book, it will be a different book for every parent because it's going to be about your child. It is, like I said, it's my baby. It's my other baby. It's something that I truly feel like everyone should have. And the next project that I'm working on is being a CPR instructor. Um, I've been a nurse now for four years. And with everything that's going on, children living with their grandparents, and it's no specific age, but I do feel like children need to know CPR because we don't always give children enough credit for the things that they do, but they are little sponges and they soak up everything. And so exposing them to CPR because you have people who have strokes, you have other children who are choking and need the Heimlich, just making sure that they may not know exactly how to perform it correctly, but just showing them and giving them the opportunity and time. I want to educate other parents, children, teachers, principals on knowing CPR. And the reason I want to do that is because I had the opportunity to be a school nurse, but I didn't take that position because I wouldn't even have a lunch break to myself because I'm responsible for all the children and the faculty in the building. So I feel like it needs to be more than just the nurse there that knows CPR or just one teacher that knows it. I feel like everyone should be educated on CPR because it will save somebody's life. And then the support groups that I'm in, I'm going to give them to you, but I, I feel a little biased about support groups. And maybe it's just the group that I'm in. But I encourage people to find a support group on Facebook. I'm in several special needs kids of St. Louis. We have a buy, sell, trade. Because as you know, insurance doesn't cover everything. You know, they may cover some things and then another parent may be able to help you with that. But the support group that I'm in for SMA, sometimes the reason that I it's important to be in is because it's a community. You need the resources, you need the help. But then when deaths and things like that get to happening, sometimes it's like you have to turn it off. And that is because I'm thinking about my kid. I'm thinking about the next kid. And it just be so much going on. So support groups for me is kind of like I have one foot in, one foot out, because I truly, truly feel like you need to just be able to turn things off and turn things on. But talking with Jerica, the huddle, I have done things in the huddle, the SMA support group. If you just Google or just get on Facebook and type in whatever diagnosis your child has, a lot of support groups will come up. And I feel like people turn social media into something bad, but it is definitely something good that has uh, happened to me being able to go into these support groups. So that would be my recommendation. And like you said, therapy changed our life. That is, that's my next goal is going to therapy because I feel like I need it. I feel like somebody, I need somebody who's, who don't know me. And just to be able to sit down and talk to them and tell them about what I, you know, what I feel and what I'm going through. Jerrica has a great therapist to recommend. That's who I use. And she is the truth. She is wonderful. Okay. Make sure you get that from Jerrica. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for giving the support groups. I asked because another mother had recommended that to me. I'm not a part of any support groups or anything. Mm-hmm. And when I had my daughter, it was literally at the beginning of COVID. So we had no visitors. It was just me and her in the hospital. There was no support groups. There was no other parents to talk to. It was, it was nothing. So mm-hmm. I never the thought, I never even considered, let me find a support group mm-hmm. until I was talking to another mom, maybe about a year ago and she suggested. Yeah. And I think for me, what is important that I feel like I haven't been able to find and maybe I just haven't looked hard enough, but Finding a community of support that looks more like me and my daughters. And I think that's one of the biggest because there's not a lot of children with SMA who look like my kid. And some of the ones that do look like my kid, they don't have type one. They may have type two where they're in a power chair and no ventilator. So it is a difference. But at the end of the day, it's all about balance. And, you know, being able to see a therapist or being able to find a support group 
you still have to balance those things with your regular life. And I just want parents to know that they are not alone. No matter how much you think, why me? I'm going through this by myself. Really, this world is so big. It's so big. And you're not going through it by yourself. And there's somebody out there who definitely understands what you are going through. And when I say like one foot in, one foot out, because some days you want to be able to shut things off. I want to be able to take my foot. If some days I just want to talk to somebody 10 toes down, I have to jump into this group and get some help because every day is different. It's going to be different every day of the journey. But just having those resources, they come in handy. Signing up for respite care, reaching out to Variety, paying for therapy and paying for equipment. Um, Variety is a good resource, especially for children. I believe it's under the age of 20 or 18. And they are a great resource. They have paid for therapy bikes. They have paid for beds, just the different therapy equipment. They have done that. So I definitely, I definitely would tell people about Variety, getting signed up for respite care. I know we rock the Spectrum Gym. That's for children with autism. But it's also for children with disabilities who may not be able to fit in as well at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, if a child has a lot of sensory issues, then Chuck E. Cheese is overwhelming. So being able to go to this gym, it is, you will find who you are meant to find when you start showing up and showing up at different places, showing up with parents who look like you and look like your kid or sending your kids a buddy break to have a, a break at a church. The kids get to go and have fun. And you get a two, three hour break to go shopping, get your hair done or just think. So those are some good resources. Buddy Break, We Rock the Spectrum, Variety Club, different support groups in St. Louis. I know that St. Louis ARC provides a respite care. A family member can be paid to take care of your child. I don't know what the price is, but it, it has gone up since we first joined. So those are different resources that would help any parent. and. That's a start. And then when you meet other people and network, it's not socializing, it's networking. When you meet those other parents, they will put you on to even more. So start there. That's a start for any parent. Well, thank you, Danielle, for showing us some love today on our podcast. Ma'am, that is not my look, my name. (laughs) Dr. LPN, I'm sorry. Right, back get it right. Thank you for coming through on our podcast. We really appreciate your story. Thank you for having me. We hope that your story touches somebody today. I pray that it does. It touched me. It it ain't touched (laughs) nobody else. And I know it's going to touch everybody. Girl, I ain't touched you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And you guys, we will try to link some of the support groups and resources that she provided in this episode so that you guys can get that info. Mm-hmm. So again, another great episode, ladies. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Dr. LPN. Yeah, thanks for having me. And so we love all of our Backbone family and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. 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 Everybody. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Backbone Podcast.